Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Second day of camps at Utah and BYU, and the Aggie camp is now underway. I'm going to take you to camp. You're going to hear from Britton Covey. How's that, How's that knee rehabbing? How's he doing? What are the odds he can play against BYU? Should he wait for the conference opener in USC? Give himself some more time. Give himself a few more weeks to get ready. Uh, we'll get to that coming up. You'll, we'll, you'll hear from Britton. And we'll get Hans Olsen's take on camps as well. Um, but first, question of the day is up. Kyle Whittingham, is it his best as an underdog? What can he use as motivation now that the Utes are the favorite? I suspect he's got multiple things. Some that we know about. Some that we don't, and some that haven't happened yet, will become useful once he has a chance to use them. Uh, I think cliches, like games, must be taken one at a time. He doesn't have the underdog thing for the whole year, but there's enough problems, there are enough teams they've struggled with, and there's enough games where, quite frankly, I don't think they need extra motivation. That, uh, you know, I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be fine. The back half of the schedule, I always kind of view like the storylines will come up and they'll present themselves. It's more the front half of the schedule. What's he going to say there? Uh, the opener is BYU, and I think that's pretty clear. they got a streak going there. Um, he won't discuss stuff like this, but sometimes you can get the word back. Um, you know, he'll tell them, we don't lose to these guys. Um, you know, the seniors have never lost. They're never going to lose. They're going to remain unbeaten forever. We're going to go out and get it done for the seniors. He does like to play the do-it-for-the-seniors card. Send them out the right way at bowl games, at the home finale, um, you know, their last game at Rice-Eccles Stadium. So I think that's a, a couple ways that he'll go because they'll be favored. They are favored. Uh, that's one of the games. You know, they, they put out point spreads on games pretty early now. And the openers certainly are out, but so are games that come later in the season. So – I think that's how he'll handle that game. It, plus, it's the opener, and it's a rivalry game. The in-state guys, in-state guys will be fired up. Guys who played in it before will be fired up. Everyone's happy to play in the first game, so I think it really takes care of itself. I think the second game against Northern Illinois, uh, there's two ways he can go with it. Um, one is that he doesn't really need to get his guys fired up. They're better, and they'll just handle it. And two is, remember last year? Remember how tough these guys played us? Now let's go out there and blow somebody out. Let's go. Let's go out there and dominate. Let's go be the better play on every snap. Shove them around on the field and dominate this game. And uh, I can see them going down that way. Because, again, you know, they're gonna, obviously they're going to be favored over a MAC team at home. Third game, oh, that's the big sky game. So that, I don't even want to discuss having to motivate them for that. The fourth game, uh, they go to USC. And they play the Trojans in the Coliseum where they haven't beaten them. And there's a couple things he can throw out there. One, that. Um, be the, be the first Ute team to go into the Coliseum and win. And also, you know, this is to either reinforce the predictions that were made in the preseason picks and the Utes take the division by the throat with a big win, right? And they get a win, but just as importantly, they give the team that's picked second a loss and they hold the tiebreaker should they need it at the end of the season. So it's a huge game. I don't think you really have to get kids up in the Pac-12 to play USC. Even if USC is down and your team is up, I think lots of teams get up to play USC. 
Um, the kids, a lot of them wanted to play at USC, especially the Southern California kids, and then get recruited by them. So you got passed over by them. That, they didn't recruit you. They don't think you're good enough. Now go show them. So I think he's got that card to go to. Uh, and it's a conference opener. I don't know that you need a card. I think this handles itself. Um, now, they've got other games that I think are pretty easy down the road. I think it's easy to get guys fired up um, for Arizona State and Washington State because they've just struggled with those two teams. They have lost four in a row to Wazoo over the last six years. They had a couple of years where they didn't play them. Uh, last year's game was particularly agonizing because you could go woulda, coulda, shoulda on several plays and the Utes win the game, but none of those big plays broke the Utes' way. And so I think guys will naturally be fired up for that game, plus you haven't beaten them four times in six years. That'll fire up guys. Uh, ASU, similar. They lost six out of eight. Huntley got hurt in that game. So I think it's another game that they're fired up for. And by now you're getting towards the second half of the season. You've got, uh, oh, I think Washington. That's a game where he can say uh, we're the underdog. It's the one time this year he's going to be able to play that. Now maybe you know, that's fairly deep into the season. And so how have things gone leading up to that point? Uh, have players been injured? Have there been shocking losses, big wins, all that kind of stuff so the line could move? But right now that's the one time this year he gets to play that card. All right, you can uh, give us your thoughts. Uh, the question is up at Facebook. Go to DJ and PK. Um, we got some funny suggestions here. Jared, he could schedule some games against USU and become the underdog again. Ah, <laughs> see, the Aggies are the one non-conference team that's beaten them. Well, I guess two now with Northwestern because they won the bowl game last year. But the one non-conference game they've lost in the regular season. And then Northwestern is the one they've lost in the bowl game in the Pac-12 era. Uh, we'll get some more. We'll get to them uh, later this morning, so stay with us for that. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. We're going to take a break now. When we come back, uh, Hans Olsen with PK and I. Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. A reminder to join Scotty and Hans from noon to 3 at the Mountainland Valley View Pro-Am at Valley View Golf Course, 2501 East Gentile Street in Layton. See Utah's best pros in action by joining Scotty and Hans from noon to 3 at Valley View Golf Course. And speaking of Hans, he joins us right now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Hans, good morning. It is a good morning. Anytime you wake up with actual notes from practice observation, it's a good morning. So what would you see at Utah? Well, a whole <laughs> lot of fence, some blue sky. <laughs> Not much. It's actually, PK, it's kind of depressing because over the last five years, maybe six, uh, I've opened up um, – camp with going to the University of Utah and observing their practice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just yeah. seems know. to be, a, a, you know, they've been a little bit better team and, you know, you get out there and, and try to observe, see what's going on there. And for them to close it, it really takes a lot of my ability to get out there and put my eyes on some of these athletes away. And so 
I went and opened up camp with BYU and, and actually really enjoyed it. Loved being out there and putting my eyes on Zach Wilson and putting my eyes on some of these running backs and starting to address some of the questions of a wide receiver and those types of things. So it was actually nice. It was it was nice to get over to BYU and see those guys. Kyle taunted us at the start when he came over for his media session. He said, uh, so, what you guys observe? That's how he started. No, he didn't. He did. He did. <laughs> well, he's a, he's a funny guy, that guy. That's, that's a big ball of laughs right there. Yeah, I gave him a look, and I said, don't you even approach that subject again, or you and I are going to have a problem, and then he knew to back down. <laughs> you should have said something like, how's your, how's your anxiety? How's, uh, how is it covering up everything? Well, I what, thought, what, what, what are you hiding? I thought about saying, I thought the players looked good, the coaching sucked, but I didn't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I think that there's, there's a couple of things that they probably want to keep under wraps. Um, I'm sure Ludwig's offense. Uh, I'm sure uh, Zach Moss's health um, and and his recovery. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm sure there are plenty of things that they're trying to keep under wraps. Okay, with Zach, even if practice were open, I mean they're not going to let him get hit. How much are you really going to see? I mean maybe Britain. You know, and the lid, you know, planting and cutting off the leg. Because even in non-contact work, you can kind of observe yeah. how guys are, you know, planting and cutting and how hard they're running. Well, you could actually see a lot, DJ. I think um, when you take into account the amount of throws that he puts on a field, then you can start to judge the actual strength of the shoulder. And the observation period that we had, he really sat out, didn't throw much. In fact, uh, I maybe two, maybe four throws, uh, and they were all flat throws. I, I did have eyes on the field during other portions of the practice, and he was throwing, and he was throwing hard, and he was throwing good routes. So um, I do know that he was actively throwing with that shoulder in practice, but our observation period, it just they backed way off of it and probably don't want to fatigue it. There's a few reasons for that. And, and so, DJ, I think the answer to that is you, you can read a lot coming back from a shoulder injury as a quarterback by just the amount of reps that a guy takes. Um, with that being said, when you back off towards the back end of practice, I, I think that that's a quarterback and, and a coach being smart because you come back from a surgically repaired shoulder and you throw and you throw and you throw and it fatigues the stabilizing muscles. And it fatigues the tendons, and, and it fatigues that joint. And it might not be the same tendon or the same uh, uh, muscle or the same dislocation that it was that injured it before, but because you've been working so many different muscles to get back and ready, it could be something else. Something else fatigues and something else gives. So I was actually, right when you guys called, um, right as you guys called, I was uh, putting together a tweet about Zach Wilson. I said, Zach Wilson says he's ready. Kalani Sataki says he's ready. Now they both need to make sure, sure that shoulder is ready. And that takes, a, that takes a lot of patience and intelligence because guys can get out there and overwork surgically repaired joints and 
they could break real quick. So when I look at this offense for the Cougars, I see a lot of guys, but I want to see some playmakers. I can go with Bushman at tight end. I'll give you that. But I see potential, but I don't know that I can count on running back, whether it's one or two, receivers, whether it's one or two, to really step out and break away from the pack and be significant playmakers. So with that in mind, what do you see? Well, I think your observations are 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 pretty solid, PK. Um, I've got the same questions, and I'm not going to tell you guys who will. I'm telling you guys that have the potential and that possibly can, and that BYU absolutely needs to break out. And number one in my mind is going to Romney. We kind of know what a Levy Hefo is, and I think that Hefo's got limitations. I think we've seen what he can do. Really solid in possession, really solid in underneath stuff, and that's just that's just what he is. And I don't think he's going to change his game, but I think he's going to be a very usable piece. Gunnar Romney needs to explode into that big-time recruit that he was. You know, you guys remember last year, you got a walk-on freshman in Dax Milne, kind of jumps on the scene and you're seeing him targeted in his usage and you're thinking, wait a second, what, what's going on here? Gunner, and, and I had an opportunity to, um, after, well after practice, uh, I was back in, in the, the old facilities and he walked in and I said, hey, and I got to kind of do a face-to-face and I realized how tall the kid is, how, how lean the kid is, and I thought, wait a second, this is a kid that could, he could stretch. If he's got the speed, he could stretch. Um, so that's, that's what I need to see from Gunner. Um, the other guy that I was thinking of is Micah Simon. Now I think we know what Micah Simon is. And I think that his, his brain got in the way last year of him having the production he needed to have. Micah needs to erase all that and just come back and have a, a fantastic year. The other, the other two that I believe can develop and be a playmaker. I think that Lopini Katoa is in a whole new world of fight and motivation because of Asupa and Williams arriving on campus. Katoa hasn't really had those beasts in front of him. Squally wasn't a beast. Squally, really, they were wanting somebody to take that job from Squally. Like, somebody please be better than this. Squally was what Squally was, and I and I'm, I hope that doesn't come across as attack. This is just real talk with with football. Like he just wasn't good enough. They needed somebody better, and they wanted somebody to come forward and take it. And the competition, the battle, just wasn't enough. I think that Lopini Cato is going to be pushed by Tyson Williams and Asupa. Tyson Williams passes the eyeball test, and and is an absolute monster. I still think Lopini Katoa is a better athlete and running back. But we'll see who surfaces there, and I'm hoping, PK, that that three-man fight pushes one of those into a, a really nice playmaker. Um, so those are some of the names that I'm hoping to see surface as a playmaker. So defensively, who is the playmaker? Because it looks like they got a lot of pieces of the puzzle, better depth and experience and better top-end talent, but a really dynamic guy who has to be double-teamed who makes the game easier for everybody else. Who might yeah. that be? 
Well, I think it's going to be Zane Anderson. And PK, you can remember, and then DJ, you can remember at the start of last year before he got injured, he is he can he can cover lateral ground like you wouldn't believe. Like he's really got a sharp step. I think he's got a great eye, a great nose for football. Uh, I had a conversation with both him and Austin Lee yesterday. Uh, I did a, it was just a dual conversation. So I had both of them and, and the three of us just sat down and talked for about seven minutes as two seniors that are, that have it all on the line. Zane Anderson with a, kind of another chance at football and Austin Lee needing to close the, close his BYU career out with a, a great year. So we'll play that conversation today on the show. He was, they're, they're both great men, like, Really great men, and and you could tell that they're both uh, they're cut from the Micah Hanneman cloth. If if you guys remember Micah really well, just no nonsense, um, gonna get it done. Great athletes, uh, really tough kind of guys. So I would say Zane Anderson probably number one. I would say Austin Lee number two, and I would say Isaiah Kafusi. Kairos Tonga and Devin Kofusi kind of sit in that group right behind them. Uh, I'm hoping that Kairos can be a big playmaker. I know he'll be a good defense, great defensive lineman. I want him to be a big playmaker, DJ, like you were talking about. In terms of hands getting Jaron Hall out on the field, where he looks like he's a tremendous athlete himself, what do you think of the possibilities? Man, PK, that's the that's the hundred million dollar question. I. I remember going into, was it two years ago, where you had Huntley and mm, who was the other quarterback coming back as a senior? You had a, you had a freshman senior situation. Oh, Troy Williams? Troy Williams. And I remember that it was really Troy Williams' job. It really was. It was his job to lose. And that's back in the good old days when we could go observe camp. <laughs> And within a week and a half, it, it it really became apparent to me that Tyler Huntley was the alpha, that he was the dog. He wanted it more. He was slightly better, more athletic. And it's funny, um, I just retweeted a quote from Herm Edwards on this. Did you see this? He yeah. was asked about his preference on oh, playing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You better be ahead because if you're even. If you're even going with the young guy. Yeah. Yeah, so his quote is, uh, and, and this is in regards to playing younger guys if a position battle is close. He said, if you're a junior or senior and a freshman comes in here and in 20 practices it's even, somebody's got the problem and it ain't the freshman. Um, that, that, says, that says a lot. And what I saw was Huntley make these strides and I was able to make the call on who was going to start. Jaron Hall is chomping. He is he is wound up tight. <laughs> he is uh, you know when you meet him or you watch him in the huddle or you watch him with the guys, it, it's just this straight lace clenched jaw. Um, I'm I don't have time for this kind of attitude. Like let's just go. But so uh, I almost I almost feel more energy that comes from Jaron. But Zach Wilson has this charisma that's unmatched. Like, I, I, I don't know if I've been around a kid that's got more charisma, ever. He's just, 
extremely charismatic. He draws you in. He makes you believe. So, PK, we just we've got to stand back. I'm I'm not ready to just say, oh no, this is it's said and done. I actually think it's not said and done. I think that there's a lot of work to do here because I've got that much belief in Jared. We got a poll question up. It's on my Twitter feed at David DJ James. <laughs> and I think we all know how you're going to vote. But just in case, Ute uh, fans, what are you worried about? Offensive line, linebacker, place kicking, or nothing? Hello, Pasadena. Oh, offensive line, linebacker, or place kicking? Or nothing. Hello, Pasadena. This is a complete team. Done deal. Rose Bowl. See ya. Pac-12 champs. Well, I, I know... I know the four of us, and I'll include Hatch back there. I know the four of us. We don't live like that. We don't live the. There's nothing wrong, and let's just go. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's never been the world I live in. I, I would say that all three of those are a question mark and have some potential pitfalls, especially with depth. I would say the one that's most dire is probably offensive line. I think you can cover up a lot of things with your defensive backfield and your defensive line, and you just need a really good, smart, physical body in that linebacking role. And I think Devin Lloyd can do that, and I think Francis Bernard's going to be fine. So I'd say offensive line is probably the biggest question mark and my biggest concern. Place kicking, I don't know. Go for it on fourth and six when you're in your when you're on their twenty. Like I don't, I don't know. Place kicking, I don't figure that garbage out. But offensive line, it is a question mark. But I'm being told, DJ, that that there are seven guys on that roster at offensive line that they believe in. Now. And that's off the record. That's in a that's in a, a friendly, bantered conversation. That isn't in a, a media sense. That's in a in a sense of I've got one guy in, in particular that's told me there are seven guys on this roster that can play football at the offensive line. It's just a matter of getting them, getting them in Ludwig's system and getting them to understand. So I'll, I'll watch that play out. I won't believe it until I see it. Speaking of won't believe it till I see it, are we going to see that big of a difference from Ludwig to the rest of the guys? Because you look at the circumstances now of all the years where they pull in the reins, given the fact of the defense and what's at stake, this might be the the best year to do it. Yeah, it really could be the best year. Oh, that's such a good question, PK. You know, it's... I don't know if it's been exhausting for you like it's been exhausting for me. It just feels like we're doing this every yeah. year, trying to project and trying to and almost trying to be positive about it. Like, I think all of us give Utah the benefit of doubt, saying, well, you know, this guy has this resume. Dave Christensen, blah, 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 <laughs> Missouri, and this and that, and blah, blah, blah. And you know, you, you really do try to build this nice picture. Ludwig, we can do that with Ludwig. We, we can. We can build all the nice pictures. They've been together. Kyle knows what to expect. And he knows what to expect from Kyle. And all of us know what to expect from an offensive coordinator working with Kyle Whittingham. Like, we just know that 
there's an iron fist. And I, Kyle shouldn't be ashamed of that. And I don't think people should be upset with that. Like, you need your head coach to have expectation. Kyle runs a certain brand, and he wants that. Well, Ludwig knows what to expect there. So I think that's good. I, I love what he did to Brian Johnson in that senior year. Uh, I thought that his usage was brilliant, and it built Brian into a great playmaker and, uh, and, and a fantastic drive quarterback. So everything points to Ludwig having all the qualities that can bring this offense together, circle the wagons, bring down the anxiety. Everybody's looking at him like, okay, he's been there. He's done it. He's had an undefeated season with this Utah team. He knows how to do it in crunch times. He knows how to be conservative, and he knows how to go for it. So everything points to it looking good, PK, but everything pointed to things looking good for Dave Christensen at times. Everything pointed really good at when Jim Harding and Aaron Roderick were co-coordinators. You know, Roderick, I think Roderick's, uh, I want to say Roderick's Whittingham's most winning coordinator. Whether, whether is, it was yeah. co-coordinator or otherwise, I think Roderick has the most wins. He does. Uh, as a coordinator. So, you know, I remember the co-coordinating situation. I'm like, ooh, this could be really good. Well, I'll tell you, this could be really good. It could, but but we may still find problems with it somehow. Well, I get the whole positivity thing. I mean, they've won nine or ten games for the last five seasons. So that leads to some of the positivity. The problem is no matter how many you win, there's always another big game out there that you want to win because you want one more. And that's where the offensive failures tend to bite them. And that always comes back to, well, how did the offense play? Because, it, uh, you know, the majority of those nine wins really feels like it goes to defense. Even though, man, we've seen a lot of offensive linemen drafted out of that organization. It's big. Just year after year, they've got offensive linemen pouring out of there into the NFL. So, no, I, I, I agree with that, DJ. There's, there's reason for optimism because Kyle Whittingham does win. All right, Hans, we'll let you go. Next time we talk to you, the Aggies camp, uh, we'll have to get your uh, lowdown on how they're going to replace nine guys on offense. That seems like a lot of guys to do that all at once, but we'll talk about that another time. Thanks, Hans. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, DJ. Thanks, PK. There is Hans Olsen. When we come back, we're going to Ute Camp to hear from Kyle Whittingham and also from Britton Covey. How's that knee rehab going? How's he, how's he feeling? What's the timeline? What are the odds of playing in the opener? Would it be a better idea to wait for the conference opener? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. So the Utes, day two, and... We're going to let you listen to Kyle Whittingham, his thoughts after the second practice, and then we're going to get to Britton Covey as he tries to re- uh, rehab that injured knee. Uh, here is the boss, though, Kyle Whittingham with the media on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. How was day two versus what you saw on day one? Pretty similar to day one. The uh, only difference is we had a different practice format. We, we split the groups, uh, red and white, so more concentrated effort, less time on the field. 
with each, with each group rather than having a two and a half hour practice, you know, a couple one and a half, one hour and 15 minute practice, get maximize the reps, get the young guys, we need to get a really good look at the young guys early so we can make sure we can uh, assess uh, who's ready to help out and who maybe needs more development. Any units or individuals really stand out to you without looking at the uh, defensive line? You know, they always show up. So they're, surprising. Yeah, surprising. They got uh, excellent leaders between Lecky and John and Bradley, those seniors. It's a, it's a group that, that brings it every day. Um, receivers. Receivers are doing a nice job working hard. Uh, running backs. Really like the, the young running backs. I think they're going to be – they show a lot of promise so big, far. What's the big difference in the receiving core? Because most of the guys are the same from a year ago till now. Just a year better, more mature, more physical. Uh, you know, just you know, they, they put some weight on the bodies. I mean, it's just, it's just a, a group that was pretty good last year and has made themselves better this year just through working the weight room. Uh, with those receivers, I mean, last year they kind of started off a little slow in terms of dropping a lot of the passes. I mean, how, how do you how do you game plan that in the off season and then moving that forward into the fall camp? So well, that doesn't happen. You know, as far as working on the drops, I mean, they're over here on the jugs machine right now. They're on the jugs machine pre-practice, post-practice, uh, just doing everything they can to continue to catch the football. And we're not the only, you know, everyone in the country has drops to a certain extent. We had far too many last year. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, excusing our drops because we had too many, but that's just something that's a constant work in progress. Uh, you don't really game plan for it. I mean, you get your best guys out there and try to put them in situations to succeed, and that's how you work. Does Tyler feel or look or act any different to you this year than he has the first, first yeah, three years? he's acting with a lot of confidence. He's He's got a lot of... Uh, uh, he's got great command of the offense, I can tell you that as well. He worked hard all, all in the summer and, and was in the film room and, and uh, knows the offense inside and out. And uh, he's, he just has a different air about him uh, right now than he has in the first three years. How's he carrying that weight? He says he's up 25. Yes, he, he's up over 200 pounds. We hope to keep him over 200 during fall camp. And uh, it's it's all good weight. I mean, he's not fat. It was good weight. And he's, he's uh, you know, I think he got a little more zip on the ball. I think his arm strength's a little better. And uh, hopefully, you know, the whole primary purpose of gaining the weight is to be more durable. And we hope that's the case. Will he have fewer runs this year, do you think? Uh, maybe a little bit. Not, not a ton fewer, but there, there might be a, a little drop off. But that's still a strong suit for him is running the ball, and we don't want to take that away from him. Because I think Andy said he wants to go under center more. Is that accurate? Yeah, we'll be under center more than last year for sure. And uh, Tyler's skill set fits very well with that. He's a, he's a tremendous athlete, and the, the uh, under center stuff, the play actions, the boots off that is something that he can excel at. Going back to the receivers, is there any of these guys that have kind of broke out to be kind of the number one receiver in terms of maybe uh, two know, days? No, guy? not enough time yet. But Solomon Enos, really like him. Covey, uh, Derek Vickers. It was great to get that year for him. He's doing doing some good things out there. Uh, Brian Thompson. You know, he's if we can just keep him healthy. Knock on wood. He's he's a tremendous talent. So got to stay healthy with those guys. How's the opposite corner battle going with uh, Tariq Lewis and, uh, and Josh? Uh, Tariq's number one. Josh is number two right now. But that's you know, subject to you know performance. But but if we had to play right now, it'd be Jalen and Tariq on the outside. Uh, Javelin at the slot corner, and then uh, uh, Julian and Terrell at safety. Freddie did a nice job developing those young tight ends last year. How, how Don't give you... Freddie too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, did a, he did. He did a nice job. Follow. What was your, what was your question? The follow would just be how has he evolved as a on the field? Coach? Very well. I mean, he's uh, I can't. Was his fifth year, fourth year on the field? I'm not, I lost track, but but he's done a nice job. And that group is some is a group that Andy's going to feature. I mean, the, the tight ends are going to be featured in the offense. 
I think Cole Fotheringham, you got to remember last year when we got him, he was only two and a half, three months off a of mission. So he's had a whole off-season training. He looks like a whole different guy this fall. And he's, I think he's a big-time player. Had you place kickers a little different? Good. About the same as yesterday. I think we only missed one kick. And uh, right now it's just a two-man battle because our third guy has got an ankle issue that hopefully he'll be ready to kick in a, in a couple days. But the two guys that are getting the reps did a nice job today. You got in the past. You've talked about wanting to have a, a spread type offense. Does it seem like this is more downhill run game types? Well, there's more downhill run element in this in this offense than what we've done in recent years. Uh, and there's some West Coast element to it as well. But but uh, you know the basic premise is spread personnel. You know, Eleven personnel is the starting point. But we do have a lot of uh, twelve personnel stuff that we're going to utilize. With talked about Fotheringham and Brant Keith. He's a, a player that we have a lot of a faith in as well. And and uh, there's three or four of the tight ends that they're in the mix. Our transfer Hunter Threadford from, from SMU so, so we uh, we will utilize those tight ends. With a lot of the, the depth at the running back position do you imagine two back sets a lot or I mean is it still pretty uh, still a work in progress you know Dan, Andy's still getting a feel for the skill sets of the new guys uh, I wouldn't rule it out but right now we're not uh, spending a whole lot of time doing that. Coach sorry if you got asked this earlier but looking at the defensive line and coming back you have a rare situation where the entire team gets back from last year and they were the number one rush defense in the Pac-12 last year. What does that mean in terms of their progression going this season to have that kind of foundation? Well, it's awesome. I mean, all, all three of those guys could have got drafted. You're talking about Bradley and John and Lucky. And uh, I think they all made the right decision coming back. You know, just because you're going to get drafted doesn't mean you you go out because it's a it's a uh, it's a calculated risk that you take coming back. And and there's other things involved besides football, education, and so forth. But bottom line, to have all those guys back uh, a year bigger, stronger, faster, and then you add Max, you know, on the outside with Mika and, and uh, some of these young guys that we got coming up, Fu Putatel and Samisi Lawaki, and we got uh, and Vili Moana, you know, you know, Walla, you don't want to forget about him, he's a he's a heck of a tackle, and he kind of gets overshadowed by the other two, but I would say that he'd probably start anywhere else in the Pac-12. Um, when, you, when you have a defense that's was number one rush defense in the Pac-12, I mean, what's kind of the secret ingredient that goes into that level of success? Well, big physical front is where it starts. And that's uh, Playing great defense starts in the line of scrimmage, whether it's rush defense or pass defense. We're pretty good against the throw as well. We're, our numbers were real good against the, against the throw. But but uh, if you got a, if you got a front that can control the line of scrimmage, there's a lot of things you can do as a D coordinator. So that's where it all begins. Are you looking forward to going to Arkansas in 2028? I'll be golfing in Maui in 2028. With? You. Hopefully. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> There's Kyle Whittingham, the Utah football coach. Now, here's his star receiver, Britton Covey. How's the knee? Tore the ACL in the Commerce Championship game. Is he going to be ready for BYU? He grew up and played his high school ball right down the street at Timview. Obviously, it'd be a big deal for him to go back to the Y and play. And I just don't think that's the point. I mean, it would be cool. And, you know, if he were healthy in the offseason, it'd be great. And that'd be a little storyline, I guess. It'd be great. Um, but they got a chance to win the conference. And the conference games are what really matters. And I don't know that they'll need Britain in that opening game. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. They certainly won't need him in the second and third game. If he's not right, the stakes here are too high. If they lose it on a conference game, so be it. The deal is to win the conference. The deal is to go to the Rose Bowl. The deal is to be one step better than you were last year. And last year, you lost in the Pac-12 title game. So the goal now, win the South again and win the Pac-12 title game. So if a few extra weeks make a difference and you know they can put them through all the tests, the strength, the speed, the cutting, the flexibility, and if he's – you can't fake it. If he's not ready to go, 
then he doesn't go. And get him ready for the USC game. If he's not ready at USC, wait again. But certainly, if he's not ready for BYU, hit reset and wait for that USC game and give him a few extra weeks to get ready. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. What is he thinking about his knee and how it's going? Well, here's Britton Covey. The only guy on the team that had more than 32 receptions last year. Do you need more productivity from the other receivers? Uh, I would say with the opportunities we get, yes. I mean, it's no secret that we are going to be, you know, more of a run-heavy team. Right. And so that's our identity, and I like the fact that we have one. Uh, but we definitely will get opportunities, you know. The great thing about being a run-identity team is when you do do a play action or whatever, it's, you know, you expect to have a good play, you expect right. to make first down. So, yeah, I think so. There's been some guys that have retired on this team and former youths in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And can you just kind of give us a sense of how oh, you have to really have your heart in this to, to do it? Otherwise, yeah. it's just impossible. Yeah, I mean, it's like I was thinking about Isaac, you know, this week. And uh, it's such a brutal game, and it, especially in the NFL. Uh, I just really appreciate Isaac, and I feel for him because, you know, coming back from this injury, uh, you always want to do things for other people. You know, half the time I wanted to get back for my family or the fans or something, but then there came a point where I just realized, like, I just got to do what's best for me. And uh, and you, you realize that, but you definitely, after a while, the stress of everything, you get to a point where you realize what's most important. So I totally understand Manny, Isaac, all those guys. How do you deal with injuries like this from from a mental and emotional angle? Mm-hmm. Because it has to be frustrating if, if you know that you're capable of certain right. things, but your body won't let you do those things. Exactly. I mean, it's a balance. It's kind of like you've got to change your mentality, your paradigm. Adrian Peterson, when he had his surgery, he had like a party the day of his surgery. And, you know, I read about that. And so I kind of had the same thing on the day of my surgery and just try to change my mentality towards a positive mindset. And my biggest thing is when I line up, I don't want to be thinking about my knee. You know, I want to be thinking about beating the guy next to me and across from me. So that's the biggest thing you got to overcome, I guess. Is your knee at a point where you don't have to think about it, or is it still something that you're kind of getting Well, you know, physically I feel good. Um, I think uh, it's still at a point where I have to think about it simply because these are our first practices. These are the first time I've been back. Uh, I'll be able to tell more next week for sure, but uh, I felt good today. Still on target to play in the BYU game? That's the goal, yeah. Can you talk about Tyler Huntley a little bit? And Andy Ludwig said he's primed to have the best year of his career. Do you feel the same way? Definitely, yeah. Tyler's great, and he's such a good guy. He even sent me a text last night saying, hey, my bad on that one throw. I just went back and watched it, and I was wrong. My bad. <laughs> I was like, you're good. So he's, he just works hard. He's great. Kyle said yesterday that you were on a pitch count. What does that mean? Well, the good news is, is they're not limiting as much what I do, rather how much I do. So uh, it's nice because I can do everything that the team requires me to do, but we don't want to go too far to the point where my knee swells up or things like that. And so uh, that's what the pitch count means. It's it's the reps. It's not exa- It's not what I do. So you sit out certain drills, or are you? No. Don't, you, so I don't sit out certain you, drills. I just take less reps in those drills. Okay. So you would. Cut out early, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like one on, one off type thing. 
Britt, can you just kind of detail what the timeline was from the surgery to the point that you could jog a little bit mm-hmm. and then kind of progressively get to the point where you are now? Yeah. For my first three months, I was very far ahead of schedule. Right. I was working hard. And then I started to realize that this is almost something that's a little out of your control. You know, you can work hard, but your body chooses how to respond. And had a, a fourth month that was a little bit rough. Went back in, uh, you know, went back in under the knife for a few things. And that in the really... Same, in the same knee? In the same okay. knee. And, uh, you know, that I don't care if that people know that, you yeah. know, because it was a couple months ago. And it really helped my progression. And ever since then, it's been a lot more exponential. When you said it was something that needed to be fixed, did you feel something? I mean, was there pain? I definitely like? felt something. Okay. Um, I mean, it was more than just scar tissue. Yeah. And uh, Were you jogging at all at that point? Yes, okay. I was okay. jogging. I was okay. jogging for sure. I was jogging. I was even running. But it would get stiff so okay. easily, and I had some awkward, weird, interesting pain. Okay. You know? Yeah. And so when we went back in, within a week, I felt 10 times better than I had that whole process. Could you do things smarter on the field that can maybe help you stay healthier? Is that possible? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, to you know, I think I still want to play with my reckless abandon, as always, because mm-hmm. that's what makes me me, and yeah, especially sure. at my size. Right. Uh, but I definitely think that I can play smarter than I did probably last year. You realize that because of, you know, almost it's like your size works against you in terms of defenses making you a target. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's inevitable with the fact that people want to try and hit me. Just go back to my freshman year, watch a couple of the games, watch the Cal game when I got targeted a few times. And right. Washington last year. Washington, you know, it's even go back, watch my high school film. So it's just something you learn to deal with, learn to just be aware of. And you kind of take pride in the fact that mm-hmm. people think that way. You want to hit them back? <laughs> I'd rather just run around them. <laughs> Good thinking. <laughs> yeah. Did you lose any weight during the, you know, being off your feet? Or, I mean, how did, how did that go about balancing that? Yeah. Well, I've been, you know, the same weight for a long time. Yeah, so that's never <laughs> so really been an issue. It's never really been an issue. At least I wasn't <laughs> as small as I was when I got off my mission. You know, you're yeah. bigger now. <laughs> I'm bigger than when I got off my when I got off my mission. I was a buck fifty, maybe. When, yeah. when a player talks about being 100 percent or whatever, I mean, like, can you honestly physically feel kind of your level? I know you can't, you know, put it into percentages yeah. or whatever, but I mean, like, how much, how how in tuned are you with your body mm-hmm. in these scenarios? You know, I think that you are very in tune with your body. And I think that a lot of times players get too caught up in not listening to it to please, whether it be a coach, a fans, your family, even your own selfish desires to play. And I think that that happened to me the first three months of my surgery was I tried to get back too fast when I knew my body and I tried to blind myself to the fact that I knew I wasn't ready for certain things. And um, even the trainers would tell me, but I would, you know, push it. And so yeah, it's a lesson that you learn. You've got to listen to your body and you've got to trust what you feel. And like I said, I, my biggest thing with being 100%, I think that a player is at 100% when they don't have to think about their injury. doesn't mean that you're going to physically be 100%. You know, you could be at 80 or 90 but you're not thinking about your injury, you're basically at 100%. How important was it for you this summer to kind of just, you know, 
be relaxed and comfortable. Obviously, it looked like on Instagram, at least you're with your girlfriend a lot and just kind of doing that. I mean, what, right. what's that kind of like for you as a, as a football player, especially coming yeah. back from injury? Well, it was weird, you know. Like, I didn't play spring ball, so I had more time. So I I had time to get a girlfriend. <laughs> nice. You know? Blossoming romance, huh? I know. I'm planning on not playing spring ball again next <laughs> year so I can spend more time with my girlfriend again. Uh you just realize that football is a full-time job, plus you're injured all the time. And, uh, no, it was great. I feel privileged to have had a couple months. And my biggest thing is I've never had an off-season. You know, I came out of my freshman year, or my senior year of high school from being a quarterback, went right to being a receiver, didn't really have too much time uh, to have an off-season. And then freshman year I went on my mission, and then I got back from a mission, then I had this. So I've never really had an off-season to, to focus on just really developing the skills of a slot receiver that, you know, that, that I want to. Mm-hmm. So I've just focused more on the mental aspect. Last year, I mean, you kind of hid some of your injuries, right, from... Uh not from not from the team or anything like that, but from fans or whatever. I mean, is that is that just kind of your mindset of just like, look, I don't care what's happening to me unless I physically can't play. I'm just going to be out there on that field. Yeah, I mean, that's the mindset of that's my mindset and of a lot of other players. There's Britton Covey, Ute receiver. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.